Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Chapman. Morning. Welcome to the first day of, is it daylight savings time or, yes, so you lost, we were talking about that backstage, like from two to three, we just, we lose that. There is no two o'clock, right? It just like, it turns two and then it's three. That's crazy. Anyway, uh, I know you knew that. (laughs) So anyway, hey, uh, I think most of you know me perhaps, but in case this is your first time or it's been a while, my name is Steve Chapman. I'm the family pastor here at the River. Uh, Steve Taboo was at a conference this past week. (laughs) Hi, Josie. He was at a conference this past week, so he's taking the day off. Uh, He'll be back next week, uh, but I get to be with you this week, and I'm excited. Thanks for being here. If you're watching us online... Thank you, guys. Uh, if you're watching online, thanks for uh, joining us this morning. Uh, we're glad you've tuned in with us. Now, uh, <clears throat> if you've been at the river for any length of time, uh, there's a word that you are familiar with. Uh, Pastor Steve sort of dis- sort of created this word many, many years ago, kind of manipulated a word that we know and created this word that, that he uses and, and we find ourselves using a lot around here. So at the river, uh, we don't talk about coincidences. We talk about so you know that Godsidences. So Steve created this word Godsidences. You know, coincidence is like, oh, it kind of happened by chance. It's like, no, this happened because God intended for it to happen. So we decided we're going to call it Godsidences. Last month we celebrated 20 years as a church. So I got to thinking. After 20 years, we've had one word. It's time for a second word. So I worked this past week, and I've created a second word that I want to start using right here, okay? And uh, so here it is. I'm going to give you the word, and I'm going to give you the definition. And I've basically done the same thing, took a word that we know and recognize and sort of redeemed it and because uh, this is really what's happening. So here's the new word. The new word is God-portunity. I was hoping for like rousing applause. <laughs> it's like, finally, a new word. <laughs> Uh, it's too late. Um, so here's the word, God-portunity. And here's, the, here's, the, here's simply what that is. A God-portunity is when God invites you to join him in what he is doing or about to do. See, it's not, that's not an opportunity. That is a God-portunity. That is not the old cliche, hey, opportunity's knocking, you better answer. No, this is god is knocking. God is speaking to you. He's inviting you to join him in something he is doing or he is about to do. When that happens, that's a God-portunity, and that's much bigger than an opportunity, okay? So that's our new word, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Now, I brought something with me. Uh, How many of you know what this is? Raise your hand if you recognize. You You can correctly identify this. Yeah, if you're under 20, you've probably seen these in the attic or, you know, in, in antique stores. This is a cassette tape, all right? A little cassette tape put in a cassette player, and you can play music, hear, hear sermons, all kinds of stuff. These were magical and wonderful back in the day. Um, why do I have a cassette tape? Well, in the, in the fall of 1988, I had graduated high school, and I was heading off for my first year of college at East Tennessee State University. 
And uh, I had, uh, I had a, an objective, a career goal that I really had been my career goal since I was a kid, and that was to be an attorney. I wanted to be a lawyer. That was, I dreamed of that. That's what I wanted to be uh, ever since I was a, literally a kid. We, we would have family get-togethers and all of us, we had lots of cousins and we'd be out there, you know, playing and they'd be like, hey, what are we gonna do? Let's do something. You know, let's like, let's build a fort or let's build a haunted house. And I was always like, why don't we like do a trial? Like, a, you know, a big trial and I'll be a law. I, was, I mean, it was, it was weird. That was kind of dorky, but that was true. I mean, I was, I was so fascinated with that and wanted to be an attorney. What does that have to do with the cassette tape? Well, my backup plan in case I couldn't make it in law school, was I wanted to be a DJ. I know, those have like totally nothing to do with it. It's like, okay, that was your fallback? Yeah, I was like, be a DJ. So I started ETSU that fall, and, I, you know, and I'm going to pursue my bachelor's and, and then hope to go to law school. And I thought, well, I should go ahead and get some experience. So I walked into uh, the campus radio station. And the reason I have a cassette tape is... <laughs> Because that summer, I decided that, you know, someone might want a sample of my work. So I, I spent that summer creating uh, demo tapes of me being a DJ at all kinds of genres, you know? I mean, rock and roll, country, western. Uh, I even did like jazz because I figured, you know, starting out, I'd probably get like that Sunday night shift when they play jazz and nobody's listening. So I did one for jazz. So I had these, these demo tapes. I, it would have been really, really sweet if I could have found one and we could have figured out a way to play it for you this morning. It'd be very humiliating, but... So, so I walk in with my demo tapes and my idea, my backup plan. I go into the campus radio station, WETS-FM, on the campus of East Tennessee State University. And I don't know if this was a godsendence, I'm sure it was, or the guy was just having a really bad day. I walk in, the director of the radio station, I say, hey, my name's Steve Chapman, I'm a freshman here at ETSU, and uh, I'm interested in possibly in, in radio and maybe being a disc jockey someday. I remember he looked at me and he said, no, nah, you don't want to do that. <laughs> that was all I was expecting. I was like, well, why not? And he was like, had a cup of coffee, he was like, kid, there ain't no money in it. You'll be broke all the time unless you get one of these big stations and nobody does. So you're better off doing something else. I said, okay. <laughs> and I walked out and I said, I better really work hard and get in law school <laughs> because I don't think the DJ thing is going to work. So that was, that was my plan. That was sort of God speaking into my life. Uh, so what happened though, I finished my year at ETSU, I transferred to Tennessee Tech University, and I was ready to f just really run hard after pursuing that, that dream of being an, being an attorney. Fall of 1989, a God-portunity happened. I'm, I'm settling in my dorm room, somebody knocks on my door, opens the door, it's this guy from down the hall, he says, hey, my name's Dan, and I'm going to be leading a Bible study in my room here at the end of the hall, Wednesday nights at 9 o'clock, would like for you to come. I said, hey, thanks, man, shut the door, and I thought, Wow. I was impressed. I would have had the nerve as a young Christian. I would have had the nerve to go knock on the doors of guys I don't know and invite them to a Bible study. I wouldn't even know how to lead a Bible study at that point. But I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. And I thought, you know what? I, I think I'm going to go. I've never been to a Bible study. I've grown up in church, been to Sunday school and sermons, but I've never done a Bible study. So I went. And that year in that Bible study, that changed my life. God began showing me how I was playing a game as a Christian. I wasn't really walking with God. I knew some lingo, but I didn't know the Bible. I realized that as we started studying the Bible, I was like, I don't know anything about the Bible. I know some characters and some names and some books of the Bible, but I don't know the Bible. I don't know the story of, of the Bible. It really changed my life. And it ultimately led to another God opportunity that I'm gonna tell you about here in just a few minutes.
But first, I want you to go to the scriptures. I want you to go with me to the, to the Old Testament, to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter one. If you got your Bible, pull it out, put your Bible app out, borrow one of our Bibles. There's Bibles in the chairs if you wanna borrow one of those. Joshua chapter one. If you're reading with us through the Bible this year, we are in the book of Joshua. We've kind of entered in, you know, we've, we've wrapped up some of the, the first five books and Steve, Pat, uh, Pastor Steve uh, spoke last week about Moses, the great leader of the nation of Israel and, and he, is, he has died and now we're moving into the book of Joshua. And it's, the book of Joshua is primarily about a guy named, you guys are sharp, Joshua, right? And sort of his story, okay? I talked to a lot of people and, and even myself, you know, talk about like, say, some of your favorite, you know, leaders and men and women of the Bible. And Joshua is always one that comes up. Joshua is just like, man, the story of Joshua and Joshua is such a leader. Joshua is such a man of God. And it's a, it is, a, he truly is. But when you really begin reading Joshua's story, and I hope that you do, what you're going to find is Joshua's story is hard to read. His calling, his God-portunity was a hard calling. And here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to read this passage of Scripture here in Joshua chapter 1, and then I'm going to just really, I want to tell you Joshua's story, okay? Uh, we don't have any fill-in-the-blanks and things there on the listening guide, just some, some note, place to take notes if you want to do that. As you go out this morning, if you'd like what I did, I basically put my research on Joshua's story and his life, and it was just too much to put on there, and I don't, I don't really have the time. If we were doing a class, we'd take several weeks to unpack it. I don't have that time, but I put references, the scriptures and the story, and on the tables as you go out, these yellow sheets, if you want to grab one of those, help yourself. I'd love for you to do that, but I want you to do something this way. I just want you to kind of sit back, and let me tell you the story of this man, Joshua, and his God opportunities, okay? So let's go to Joshua chapter one this morning and just kind of get our introduction here. Joshua chapter one, beginning of verse one, it says this. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, verse two, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever, your foot, wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one, verse 5, will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Verse 8. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Verse nine, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Hey God, thanks for this opportunity. Thanks for these folks being here. Thank you for your word. And God, I pray this morning, Lord, just let me decrease and you increase. Let me simply be the, a voice piece that you use this morning to speak to our hearts. Every person in this room, listening, watching online, would you speak to our hearts, do what you wanna do in our lives, and I ask and pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So here's the story of Joshua. 
We think of Joshua as this great leader of the nation of Israel, right? And, and he was. But you realize Joshua's story started, he was born in Egypt during a time when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. So he was born a slave, had no rights. The Egyptians were in charge and they were, they were leading and they were using the Israelites as slaves. They, they had ended up there uh, in the days of jo uh, Joseph and they, they, had, they had favor with the Pharaoh, but that, that Pharaoh died, new Pharaoh came up and didn't like the Israelites, was intimidated by them and so made them slaves. So Joshua is born during a time when the Israelites are slaves in Egypt. So he was a slave. He might, have, he might have spent days making bricks. That's what a lot of them did. That was their task to make bricks or to work in the fields. Maybe they saw something in him, some smarts, some leadership, and maybe he had a position in one of the, the leader's homes or something like that as a household servant, but he was basically a slave in the nation of Israel. Just a guy, son of none. That was, that was who he was. At some point, during this whole revolution, when God calls Moses and gives him his big opportunity, God opportunity to lead the nation out of Egypt, and, and Moses does this, at some point, and we don't know where because the Bible doesn't tell us, at some point, Joshua and, and Moses met and, had, and became acquainted with one another. Because when, when Israel leaves Egypt, as God led them out, the plagues and all that in the story there of Exodus, when God leads them out, they suddenly face their first military battle. And here's this young people that have spent years as slaves and suddenly they're on their way out and now they have to defend themselves. They have, they have a war to fight. And the Bible says that Moses looked to this guy named Joshua and said, Joshua, you go lead the army against them. I'm going up on the mountain to pray for you. And Joshua did it. Soon after that, as you continue to read in the story, you see Joshua's name pop up there in, in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, he's one of the 12 spies that get sent into the land to spy out the land that God was going to give them. He's one of only two that came back and said, let's take this land. We can defeat these enemies. God has given us this land. But the other 10 said, no way. It's too strong. They're, they're too strong. There's too many. We can't do this. And so they spent 40 years in the wilderness. We see Joshua's name pop up time and again. Eventually, at some point, Joshua became Moses, Moses, the leader of Israel. Joshua became his assistant. You see his name mentioned many times along with Moses as Moses' assistant, Moses' attendant, Joshua. He's with him. When Moses goes up on the mountain, Joshua is with him. When Moses would go into the tent of meeting and meet with God there in the wilderness, Joshua was with him. It said when Moses would come out of the tent for meeting with God, Joshua would stay in the tent. He was his assistant. He was with him. And that's where, we, that's where we see Joshua serving alongside Moses, being his attendant, being his assistant, and whatever all that looked like during that time. But then God tells Moses, okay, Moses, you're not going to lead these people into the promised land. And Moses said, well, God, you're going to have to raise up somebody to do this. And God says, your assistant, Joshua, he'll lead the people. So Moses comes to Joshua. Here's Joshua's next big God opportunity. He says, Joshua, God's chosen you to lead the people. I'm going to die I'm not gonna get the lead on me in. You're gonna do it, Joshua. That's a big God opportunity right there. He's been hit Moses' assistant. He's seen the weight of this responsibility. And he also knows that to go into the promised land means we're gonna have to conquer the land. But this is your God opportunity, Joshua. And that's where we pick up here in Joshua chapter one. God telling him, Moses is dead. Now, Joshua, it's your time to lead the people. So, Joshua goes from a, a God opportunity to, to fight a battle, a God opportunity to be Moses' assistant, to now a God opportunity to be the leader of the nation of Israel and to lead them into conquering the promised land.
I don't know what Joshua thought about that. I don't know how he wrestled with that. I don't know how he felt, but we know that he said, okay, Lord, I will. And he takes it on. Now, we think about Joshua again, and most of the times we think about, man, a great leader, a great example, and he's all that. But you need to understand something. Joshua's God opportunity to lead the nation of Israel was extremely difficult. We read two times in our passage here in Joshua 1, two times God says, be strong and courageous. The truth of the matter, from the end of Deuteronomy into Joshua, early Joshua, seven different times God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. Sometimes God tells him directly. Sometimes it's through Moses. One time it's actually through the people Joshua's going to lead. They remind him, Joshua, we will follow you, but you be strong and courageous. Seven times God says, be strong and courageous. And I believe it's because Joshua's God opportunity was very difficult. Right out of the bat. First thing is, he's taken over from Moses. Would you like that job? I sure would not. It's like, this is a guy that parted the Red Sea, that took a stick and hit rocks and water comes out. I mean, this guy is, and I've got to follow him? Those are pretty big shoes. And then, here we come, and it's like, okay, we're going to take the land, but to get to the land, we got to cross the Jordan River, and we're going to cross it tomorrow. Now, what you need to know about tomorrow at that time was it was during the harvest season. It was during the spring. And the Bible's, the Jordan River was overflowing its bank. Archaeologists say, man, at that, that was the worst time of the year to try to cross the Jordan, let alone if you're just crossing it yourself. But if you're going to bring half a million people across this river, children, babies, that's insane. And yet that was his first opportunity. That was his first God opportunity. Take him across the Jordan River. How are we gonna do this? God, this is gonna take years. No, it's not. No, it's not. Here's what I want you to do. I want you, I'm gonna, I want you to tell the priest to take the Ark of the Covenant and then to step into the water. Now, some historians tell us that that's, at that time of the year, the Jordan River overflowing its banks, to simply step into the water, the current could have been so strong and so swift that it just washed you downstream. So Joshua has to go to these priests, these men that are probably older than him. He considers wiser than him. And he says, we're going to cross the Jordan River tomorrow. And God has said, you're going to lead the way. I can imagine some of those priests saying, uh, I think you're the leader, right? Leader goes first. No, no. God has said, you take the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, and you step into the water. That may have been when some of those priests said, you better be strong and courageous because if this doesn't work. And they did it. They, they trusted Joshua, his leadership. They stepped into the water, and the Bible says that God caused the Jordan River, the waters to pile up, and they crossed on dry ground. Now, at that point, I, if I was Joshua, I can imagine Joshua saying, you know what? This leadership thing's all right. This is pretty darn cool. I mean, Moses had his Red Sea, and now I've got the Jordan. So this is pretty awesome. I, feel, I think, I might, I think I, this whole leadership thing, I kind of like this. People do what I say. I can get into this. What's next? Boy, that was the wrong question. Because the next thing God says, all right, Joshua, remember, be strong and courageous, okay? I apologize in advance for parents in here that have their kids with them. You got a pretty interesting conversation, perhaps in the car on the way home. The next thing God says, Joshua, there's several thousand of these men that haven't been circumcised. Make some flint knives. You gotta be kidding me, God. I mean, you didn't ask Moses to do this. Joshua, you're about to... Before you take the land, you're going to celebrate the Passover. And according to the law, you can't celebrate the Passover unless you've been circumcised. You got some work to do, buddy. Be strong and courageous. Can I just tell you? You got to be really strong and courageous for that assignment. 
and we're going to move on. But he did it. He said, okay, and he did it. It's in there, I promise you, I'm not making it up. And they did it. And then they celebrated the Passover. And you know what? It says after they celebrated the Passover, then they began eating the fruit of the land. And it says there was, they never ate manna again because that was over. You're going to eat the feast off this land. So here they are, and that's like, okay, we did this, got through that, and now it's like next order up, next opportunity, the city of Jericho. City of Jericho, famous city. Man, and it's amazing. And, and, and the city of Jericho, Archaeologists tell us it was up on a hill. It was up on a mound. It was high up on, and we think sometimes of the wall, it was a walled city. And sometimes we get this, I know it comes to our mind when we think of the walls of Jericho. We think of, here's this city in there. We kind of think of like Disney princess movies, you know, in the castle, and they've got the walls. And so it's like, yeah, they probably have 15 feet high. You walk around them, and, and they, but here's the reality. Archaeologists tell us there was actually two walls. And, and first of all, it was up on a hill. And so at the bottom, there was like this, there were probably about six feet high retaining wall. And then just above that retaining wall would be anywhere from like 12 to 15 feet. That's the first wall, okay? And then there's like, it's sort of this slope and there's probably 20, 40 feet between the walls. And then you have the second wall, which is probably another 12 to 15 feet. So suddenly you're looking at possibly that the highest point to get into this city is somewhere around 40 plus feet. I asked TJ this morning at the very top of this highest point of this ceiling can't even see it because the light's probably about 35 feet that's pretty seemed pretty insignificant and they've got a okay god so that's it but man you parted the jordan we, we can do this god what's the plan okay get the military ready and for six days march around the city oh i like this intimidation i like it we're going to march around the city with our military, you know, hmm, oh, we go. That's the first thing that came to mind was the, the Wizard of Oz. We're going to march around the city. We're going to intimidate them. I can see them chanting, you know. And uh, sorry. And so, okay, that sounds good. Then on the seventh day, march around seven times. Oh, man, we're going to ratchet up. We're letting them know we are coming. That's right. And then what? And then... As loud as you can, you scream. We scream, what? We're coming. We're screaming, attack. No, you just scream. And, and walls are going to fall. And you want me to take that to the, to the military leaders. That's the strategy. Yeah. Be strong and courageous. These are veterans. These are seasoned guys. I'm going to go in and tell them this is our plan. And I'm sure, man, I'm sure some of those leaders, they're marching around the wall and they're like, this is the dumbest. They're going to kill us. They're going to throw rocks at any moment and just sweeping out. This is the fifth day we've done this. Josh will be strong and courageous. I said, okay. That was the plan. He, hit, he handed it out and that's what they did. And guess what? The walls fell and they went up and they took the city. Joshua, be strong and courageous. Man, this is amazing. This is, I'm kind of liking this thing. Man, God, this is awesome. What's next? Joshua, we got a problem. We got a problem. Joshua, the reason you just got beat at this little city is because there's sin in the camp. And you, Joshua, have to deal with it. God tells him what to do. And in Joshua chapter 7, I believe it is, the sin of a guy named Achan, one of, the, one of the leaders, one of the guys there, sinned against God, and God deals with it very harshly. So much so, if you've never read the story, you might, be, you might think, I don't like that. I don't like the way they handled that. That seems unfair. It was brutal. Basically, he said, you put to death this guy and his entire family. 
And Joshua, you're the leader. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to do that. I mean, there's, there's so much in me that says that doesn't seem right. That seems extreme. That doesn't seem fair. Joshua, you be strong and courageous. And so Joshua did it. He carried out God's command. And then you're going to read throughout the next chapters of the book of Joshua. You're going to read the story of Joshua, how he led the nation of Israel to conquer the land. During that campaign, Joshua destroyed 33 kingdoms. He put to death 33 different kings. See, when we think about God opportunities and opportunities to follow and serve God, we like to think about God's going to lead us to serve in the homeless shelter. He's going to lead us to feed the hungry. He's going to lead us to help needy children. He's going to lead us to do something that seems so beautiful and so poetic and so wonderful. But see, sometimes the God opportunity that God brings to us is a hard, hard thing. It's a hard calling. Sometimes it's unpopular. Sometimes it's misunderstood. Sometimes it might even seem insignificant. What it is is irrelevant. What matters is what do I do with the God opportunity? Do I say yes or do I say no? And what makes Joshua such an important figure in the scripture, what makes Joshua's story so amazing is that Joshua chose to be strong and courageous. And understand this about his strength and courage. God said, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Joshua, this isn't something you've got to muster up. Joshua, I don't want you to be strong and courageous because you're the strongest man in the camp, because you're the smartest. He says, Joshua, you be strong and courageous because you can, Joshua, because I am going to do the work for you. I'm going to do the heavy lifting, Joshua. You just have to trust me with what I tell you to do because you're not going to understand the why behind everything I tell you to do. You may not even agree with what I'm telling you to do right now, Joshua, but you trust me. You be strong and courageous, and I'll be with you, and I'll bless you. You read Joshua's story, and if you haven't, I encourage you to do so. You might not like it. You might not like what he had to do. You might not like the methods that they employed. You might not understand it. You might disagree with it. But the point is, Joshua was faced with God opportunities, and he chose to say yes and be strong and courageous. And because of that, he received the blessing. What was the blessing? Well, first of all, he got to see some pretty amazing things. He got to see a massive river stop flowing and half a million or more people walk across on dry land. He got to see a mighty, what seemed to be in, in, you know, impossible to conquer, walled city simply crumble because all they did was march around a few times and yell at the walls. He got to see throughout his campaign, he got to see God cause the sun to absolutely stand still and not set for an entire day so they could win the battle. He got to see God fight for them by sending a massive hailstone to destroy their enemies. They didn't even have to fight the battle. He got to see God use insects to drive his enemies out. He got to see God send the fear of this nothing of an army to much greater armies. They were afraid of them. He got to see God do some incredible, miraculous things. But he also, he also got to see, lead a nation to take the land that God had promised to him 40 years earlier, a land flowing with milk and honey. They ate from gardens and, and produce that they didn't labor to plant and sow. They, they got to enjoy the spoils of things that they had nothing to do with. They got to taste and see that the Lord is good. 
But perhaps even more importantly, the Bible tells us when it speaks of Joshua, it says during Joshua's leadership, during Joshua's reign as leader of the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel followed the Lord all the days of Joshua. Not many leaders of Israel can claim that. He got to lead the nation and they followed his leadership. And then the best for last. I wanna show you something. I've read this story so many times. I grew up in church and I missed this. I missed this. <clears throat> in Joshua chapter 24, verse 29, listen to what it says. Joshua has given his sort of his final challenge, farewell address. He's coming to the end of his life. He says this, Joshua 24, verse 29. After this, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. Did you see it? Now, if you're like me, you probably missed it. It's not the fact that he lived to be 110. That's pretty cool. It's kind of young back then, though, but that's not it. Let me read it again. After this, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. In case you still don't see it, let me remind you what we read at the beginning of Joshua's story in Joshua chapter one, verse one. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. You see it yet? Here's the, here's the best. This slave, who was a nobody, had a God opportunity to be an assistant to one of the greatest leaders of Israel. And he said, yes. And for most of his life, he was known as Joshua, son of Nun, the, the assistant to Moses. Moses, the servant of the Lord. At the end of Joshua's life, he is known as Joshua, son of Nun, servant of the Lord. See, that was the title God had given Moses. Guys, there is no greater, there's no greater description of your life. There is no greater accolade. There is no greater credentials than to be known as the servant of the Lord. I've been to a lot of conferences and retreats and workshops and some of these bigger conferences. Uh, it takes about five minutes to introduce the speaker because we have to list all of his credentials and all that he has done and it's very impressive. But see, the reality is the only thing that ultimately matters about your life is, are you a servant of the Lord? Doesn't matter where you went to school, doesn't matter how big your church is, doesn't matter what you've accomplished, how many books you've written, how many followers you have on Instagram, are you a servant of the Lord? If you're a servant of the Lord, it means you've said yes to the God opportunities. It means that you are choosing to be strong and courageous with what God has called you to do. And that's Joshua's legacy. And there can be nothing greater. He was remembered as his his leader, Moses, was remembered, servant of the Lord. We run hard after so many things in life to put, you know, oh, this is how I'll be remembered. This is how they'll remember me. I was a great, you know, scuba diver. I was a great, you know, athlete. I was a great musician. I was a great whatever. I was really good at parcheesi. I don't know whatever it is you run hard after in life to be remembered, guys, nothing greater. He was a servant of the Lord. Mama was a servant. 
dad was a servant of the Lord. My uncle was a servant of no greater accolade. Because it means you said yes to the God opportunities. The end of his life, Joshua challenged the people. He said, you got to make a decision. There's still lots of God opportunities in front of you. There were still plenty of the land that hadn't been conquered yet. There's plenty of God opportunities still before you. He said, you need to choose today. Take the greatest power God has given all of us, the power to choose. He says, you need to choose today who will you serve? Who will you be a servant of? The gods that your, your forefathers followed that died in the wilderness because they wouldn't follow the one true God? They said no to the God opportunity 40 years earlier? Or the gods of the, the pagan nations that surround us? Or the one true God who has led us across the Red Sea, across the Jordan River to take Jericho? Who will you serve? He said, I'll tell you what. After all this that I've gone through, crossing the Jordan, circumcising most of you guys, battle of Jericho, driving out these, killing all these kings, I tell you what, right now, it's an easy decision for me. He said, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. And if that's all we're ever known as, as servants of the Lord, that's all that matters. After a year in that Bible study in that dorm at Tennessee Tech University, the following summer, I had a God opportunity present itself. I met a guy by the name of Ben Chapman. He ran a little camp down in Smithville, Tennessee, Lighthouse Christian Camp. Uh, he spoke at a local church that I was attending, and he said, we're always looking for college students to come spend their summer on staff. I was intrigued by that. I was, I was growing. I mean, I, was, I really started growing spiritually in this Bible study. It was so, it was, I loved it. And suddenly here was, I, I would have never thought about spending a summer at a Christian camp with little kids. One, because I spent my summers working and, and, and making money to have while I was in school. And so I went, I went up to him, I asked him, I said, hey, I'm kind of interested. I said, How, what does this pay? And he said, well, we give all the, all the staff a little stipend. It's, it's $60 a week. Well, I quickly did the math for about nine weeks. I was like, I'll make twice that much working back home. How am I going to do this? But I couldn't shake that God opportunity that I was maybe supposed to do this that summer. And I, I talked to some older guys and they encouraged me. They said, have you ever thought about raising money? Raising money? Do people, people actually give me money to go work at this camp? Like, yeah, it's like a summer mission project. I, I, I was like, tell me more about this. As they shared with me, I thought, maybe so. So I sent out some letters to some friends and family just said, hey, this is what I feel God's maybe calling me to do this summer. And, but, you know, I usually work during the summers to pay for school and such. And so just want to know if you'd like to sponsor me. And I had several that surprisingly that, that sent back and said, we'd love to do this. This is awesome. And they encouraged me and they, they sent me checks. And about three weeks into the camp, the director came and he, he kind of knew my story and what I was doing. And he came to me and he said, Steve, he said, you know what? I just really feel like the Lord wants me to bless you. We're going we're gonna to double your stipend. We're going to give you $120 every week. So for like the, the next six weeks, I got double. By the end of that summer, I had more money than if I'd have worked that summer. Uh, and it was a whole lot more fun than, than making ice creams at Dairy Queen, which I had done. Uh, so, because here's what happened. I said yes to that God opportunity. God provided the funds. But then there was another God opportunity halfway through the summer. As summer staff, you did all kinds of things. One afternoon, <coughs> excuse me, one afternoon I was cleaning the swimming pool. Hot out there in the middle of June, I'm cleaning the swimming pool. 
I see Brother Ben coming back to the pool in his pickup truck. I'm thinking he's coming back here to inspect my work, tell me what I'm doing wrong or something. <clears throat> he came up to me and said, hey, Steve. He said, um, I had invited Brother so-and-so, pastors of this church in town, to come speak at chapel tonight, and he had to cancel. And I feel like the Lord has told me to come ask you to speak at chapel. I was like, what? <laughs> Number one, I, I've never prepared a talk, a message. Number two, I don't know anything about the world of nine, 10, 11 year old girls. Um, I, I wouldn't even know what to tell them how to do it. And I was scared to death. But <laughs> I, I think I might have been more scared of telling Brother Ben no. And so I said, okay. <clears throat> he left. I finished, quickly finished, I went into the staff cabin and I started praying. I was like, well, I don't know what I have just agreed to do. I have no idea what to do. So then my flesh kicked in. I was like, what would Charles Stanley say? Because that's who I thought was like the, the king of preachers back then. What would Charles Stanley say? And I found myself trying to put together this, this amazing sermon, all this stuff. And, and it was chaos. My mind was, I was going crazy. And then I kept watching the clock. And it was like getting closer and closer to chapel. I was like, I don't have anything. And then it was like God. The God who came to Joshua and said, be strong and courageous. I will fight for you. In that, God stepped into that crazy chaos. And he said, Steve. Just tell these girls that I see them and I care about them. And I gave my son to die for them. I was like, oh, it can't be that simple, can it? Yeah. And I remember thinking, okay. And then God, God went the extra mile and he said, you know what? And just read from Psalms 139. Yeah, that's where God says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Tell these little girls who are broken, neglected, probably wonder if anybody sees them, sees their plight, sees their, their predicaments. Tell them that I see them. I made them and I love them and I gave my son to die on the cross. Tell them that. And I went into chapel and I sat at the back of that little amphitheater and they went through their program and their music and it came time for me to speak. And I walked down there and I'm standing, I'm looking up at these, these counselors and these little girls and I'm, I'm just telling what Jesus said, tell them what he said. And I tell them this stuff and I got to the end and I'm like, well, this is where I've always watched Brother Ben give an invitation. <laughs> I guess that's what I should do. And so I said, okay, so if the counselors will step to the side in the back and now girls, bow your head, close your eyes. And I just begin, and, and, and man, the Holy Spirit just begins providing. And I just begin sharing with these old girls how much their life matters, how much God loves them and wants relationship with them. And I said, if you want to know more about that, just get up and go talk to one of your counselors. And all of a sudden, little girls just start popping up all over this amphitheater going back. And I'm sitting back there and I'm watching these counselors talk to these girls. And I, and I go sit down and Brother Ben comes and takes over and talking to the rest of the ones sitting there. And the next morning at counselors meeting, I, I got to sit in there and listen to these counselors talk about just one after oh, 20 plus little girls accepted Christ as their Savior. Not because I preached a Charles Stanley style message. Yeah, you can clap. But because God showed up and he did what he promises to do, when we say yes to the God opportunity, when we will be strong and courageous, he shows up and does the heavy lifting. 
that was a God opportunity that changed my life even more because about a year later, during my senior year at Tennessee Tech, trying to figure out which law schools I was gonna apply to, getting ready to take the LSAT, God spoke very clearly and said, I've got another God opportunity. And I'm sorry, but it doesn't have anything to do with law school. I need you to lay that dream aside. I want you to, I want you to go into full-time vocational ministry. I knew that's exactly what it meant. I didn't really I didn't know what that meant, but I knew it was I want you to pursue this. Be strong and courageous. And I said, "Okay." And here I am. 30 some years later, 20 years ago, I had a God opportunity with a crazy guy named Steve Taboo to come be a part of some, some crazy idea he had to start a church. And I've had to be strong and courageous. <laughs> we all have. But man, God's been so faithful. Now, listen to me right quickly. That's my story. Those are my God opportunities. We read about Joshua's story and Joshua's God opportunities. Those are not your God opportunities, okay? Saying yes to God doesn't mean you're going to end up being in full time vocational ministry, okay? It might. The next generation of preachers and Charles Stanley's and Steve Taboo's may be sitting in here right now, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. I simply want you to wrestle with this question What is the God opportunity? that God has put before you right now in your life. It's gonna fall into one of three areas, okay? Number one, the first God opportunity that God gives us is to follow him as our Lord and Savior, salvation. Have you ever trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you a Christian this morning? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? That's the first God opportunity that he brings before you to step, to reject everything else and say yes to God, to trust him. That's the first God opportunity. Have you accepted Jesus Christ, salvation? If you have, if you're here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the second God opportunity that God may be putting before you right now is the God opportunity to grow spiritually, spiritual growth. Are you in a small group? Are you somewhere studying the word of God with other believers? Are you practicing any spiritual disciplines? Are you reading your Bible? Are you reading with us this year? Are you praying? Do you know how to pray? Are you, do you have mentors in your life? Do you have people in your life that are a little bit further down the road than you that are pouring into you? Are you faithful at church? Are you coming? Are you seeking to grow spiritually? See, the other God opportunities probably won't come until you begin pursuing spiritual growth. Joshua was the assistant to Moses for many years before the big God opportunity came to say, hey, now you're gonna be the leader. Are you growing spiritually? That's probably the second God opportunity that some of you still, maybe you've been a Christian for many years, but you've never said yes to that God opportunity to grow spiritually. Guys, I was in college. I accepted Christ as my Savior and Lord when I was a young boy, grew up in church, but I was not growing spiritually until I got to college and that God opportunity showed up. If you're a believer and you're doing the things to grow spiritually and you're growing in your relationship with God, the third God opportunity that God is probably putting before you is the, is the God opportunity to serve, to serve him. That may mean vocational ministry. That may mean God calling you to lay aside dreams that you've had since childhood and pursue full-time ministry. 
It may mean saying yes to Ryan Campbell or Christy McKenzie or Beth Heron to say, or Jim Fox, say, yes, I'm gonna volunteer in the next generation ministries. To say yes to being a greeter, to being an usher, to being a life group leader, to say yes to going on one of those mission trips that we're taking this, this summer, this year. It may be yes to walking across the street and talking to your neighbor, talking to your coworker. It may mean saying yes to leading your family in nightly, weekly devotionals. I don't know what that is, but I know that God brings God opportunities to his people who are growing to serve him. And some of you here this morning, the God opportunity, and you know right now as I'm talking, you know exactly what it is, and it scares you. It scares you. I know that feeling, and it's okay. We have a two choices we can make. At the end of his life, Joshua challenged the people to choose. Take the greatest power you have, the power to choose, and either choose to follow me or not. Joshua said, I'm gonna follow God. And it's interesting, as you read your Bible, you find the story of Joshua's life right in the middle of two stories of people that didn't follow God. The nation of Israel, the generation before Joshua, that had the chance to go into the promised land 40 years earlier, said, no, no way, can't do it, it's too hard. They died in the wilderness, never seeing the promises of God. After Joshua's life, they followed Joshua. He was faithful, did the hard things, was strong and courageous. Joshua died. It says, as you go into the book of Judges, it says the next generation grew up that didn't know or follow God. They followed the gods of the people around them. And the whole book of Judges is about chaos. Couldn't be more clear. Can I encourage you today, whatever the God opportunity before you right now, say yes. Follow Joshua's example. Say yes. Choose yes, God. Trust him to do the heavy lifting. Trust him to, to do great and mighty things that only God can do. God, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for giving us God opportunities. Lord, I know people in here this morning are wrestling with that, Lord. I can, I can remember being in those seasons of wrestling with God opportunities, Lord. I pray that you would just lead them in the direction they need to go. Lord, for some, it's this morning, they need, to, they need to take that decision card in the back of that chair in front of them, fill it out with some information, and check, I wanna talk to someone about being a Christian. Maybe they need to go to the prayer room right after this service and talk to someone. Maybe they need to step out into the lobby and find one of the staff, one of the pastors, one of the, go to the connections table and say, I need to talk to someone about a relationship with Jesus right now. Some need to say, God, I need to start growing spiritually. I need to, I need to find out about life groups. Pastor Dean talked about that at the beginning. He's here today. I need to find out about, I need to get in a Bible study. I need to start growing and maturing as a follower of Jesus Christ. And Lord, others, they're wrestling with that God opportunity that you put in front of them to serve. Whatever that, however big, small that may be, God, would you just give them the courage to say yes to you? That's my prayer, God. Would you lead us to do what we need to do? God, I trust you completely with what I've shared. I trust you that you are at work in every life in this room, watching online. You are, you are in control of, you're giving God opportunities. I trust you to move us to do what we need to do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking us out online today. If you want more information about the church or things that's going on here, be sure to check out theriverCC.com or download our app and visit us there.
Also, as we go through the Bible this year, we want to help keep you engaged on what's being read and talked about each week. To do that, we have a podcast called The Word This Week, which will recap each week's readings, as well as have special guests who will talk about what God showed them that week. So be sure to check that out on all podcast streaming platforms. And again, thanks so much for checking us out online.